What up? It's Yinka Diz. Peace. This is Outlaw. And you listen to the 80s Babies Podcast. And on today's episode, we're doing our winter recap for the months of December, January, and February. Basically, all the you know moments, no hot takes here. So basically, we've had enough time <laughs> to let everything sit and marinate and give uh-huh. our opinions on it. And previously, what we used to do is we used to also discuss a lot of the albums that came out, both in the past and specifically in this time period, 2019, 2020. We're no longer doing that. We just decided to each take an album to really sit with it, digest it, and just discuss that. Um, so we'll be getting into those albums a little later. Also, because this album, this episode might be a little bit longer, we will timestamp it. So if you look at the description, either in SoundCloud or in iTunes, however you get the podcast, wherever you see the description, you'll see the timestamps of where we discuss uh, each subject. So we're uh, just going to get right into it. And uh, Yinka, where were you when you found out that Kobe Bean Bryant passed away? I, that's a good question. I, I don't remember where I was. Really? Okay. But but I I do just remember disbelief because yeah. TMZ dropped it first. <clears throat> okay. And TMZ is a, 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 a source that's been increasingly more credible, but at the same time, just so... Their, their their tactics as to how they do business is just so slimy <laughs> that you know I, nothing feels good coming from that as an outlet. So, <laughs> you know, so that's, that's a good, a perfect way to describe TMZ. Actually, <laughs> it's just so bad. So 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 I I, I heard about it. Uh, you know, people started sending me links to a TMZ article. So I start reaching out to people that you know, not that I know anybody who knows the Bryant family, but yeah. people that are invested enough in Kobe and in the Lakers that they might know know some more. So I'm I'm reaching out just to be like, "Hey, you know, have you heard this? Is this is this true type of a deal?" And you know, it's it, a, a little bit of period of time kind of passed before people started reaching out and confirming that mm-hmm. that it had occurred. So do you remember where you were when Yes, you were? actually I do. I remember mm-hmm. because that was the day that we re- recorded our Supreme Clientele episode. Mm. And I we I finished recording that episode and then uh-huh. I, I had to go back to, to Virginia to my mom's place to go take care of something. And mm. while I was doing that, um, I went to the gym and I go to the gym. They always got the sports networks on and I see Kobe Bryant's picture on the TV. But the mm. way like the picture that they showed, you know how sometimes like when you have like an analyst on TV, but he's not like he's just kind of offering his opinion via the phone, his or her yeah. opinion. And yeah. so like they'll put the person's picture up. As if to say, like, hey, this person is speaking. Right, right. That's the way, like, it looked from afar. And okay. this thing is up there for, like, 20 or 30 minutes before I finally, like, I'm walking by the TV. Mm-hmm. And it said Kobe Bryant died in, a, in, a, in a, a helicopter crash. And my jaw dropped. I literally said, what the fuck? Like, yeah. loud. And people in the gym, like, looked over. And they saw me looking at the screen and, like, oh, yeah, man, that's crazy. And I was like, holy shit. And here's the thing. Yeah. I'm not a Kobe Bryant fan. Never yeah. been a Kobe Bryant fan. Like Don't care about Kobe Bryant. But mm-hmm. despite that, like, holy shit. Like, I felt the weight of this, even though he's not someone I ever looked up to. He's not someone I ever really rooted for. I still felt the weight. It's like, oh my God, a giant has just gone like, and then immediately I thought, I was like, well, it's a helicopter crash. Like, like who who like who else died and then they start coming up like his daughter and other family and i was like oh my god this is terrible yeah so i mean this obviously happened in the past uh you know 
so you know that was back in what january january 26th i believe right so you know a lot has transpired since then we had kind of you know some conspiracy theories as to you know what happened dr umar johnson um, has his own theories as to what happened uh we've had like back and forth between you know gail king and snoop dogg and and plenty of other so so hold on so that's something that i need i need more detail on because as far as i know gail king asked lisa leslie a question about the the rape charge the rape case Mm -hmm. and then people attacked gail king yeah. And then it was highlighted by people like Ta-Nehisi Coates, I believe, who said oh. that anyone who's attacking Gail King is like, and these weren't his words, but basically he was saying it was like, oh, hates black women. Mm-hmm. And he used, he used some justification to Gail King as saying like, oh, she's a serious journalist. Yeah. Uh, as if saying like, she's the only one who prepared for an interview just because that was his mm-hmm. personal experience. Was just kind of like, all right, I feel you, but that's, that's a really heavy anecdote. Yeah. Help unpack some of this for me because I'm actually nah. kind of like in the dark here. It's tough to unpack, um, but you know, I think this is kind of one of the problems with where we are with you know just media in general. Um, you know, we are at a posi- in a position where you know Kobe is obviously someone who was beloved, is beloved. Yes, um, and so we people have very strong feelings in either direction a- around Kobe. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some people idolize Kobe. Uh, others, you know, because of some of these things that that occurred, or, or very specifically, right, this this rape case yeah. um, with Kobe, um, that some people really have very negative feelings about him, um, right. and so as a result of that, you know, we're in a, a situation where, in my opinion, I felt like a lot of a lot of when you have so much emotion tied to something, in the wake of such a a huge thing occurring it's almost better to to formulate your thoughts and then and then approach it but you know we're we're at an age where everybody has opinions about everything all the time and so you know they have to to articulate their opinions now you know what gail did where where she asked the question about uh, a kobe bryant and sexual assault i think many people specifically black men uh, because a lot of black men do idolize Kobe, you know, mm-hmm. for better or for worse, uh, you know, felt it was too early and a bit unnecessary for her to ask this question, you know, and then double down by, you know, probing a little bit more when when it comes to, you know, um, her experience with with this with sexual assault and and, and Kobe Bryant. Now, um, w- what Snoop Dogg did, which you know. I think Snoop Dogg at this point knows he's in the wrong, whether he went on Red Table Talk to, to make it, it better, like like all the black men do or not. Uh, but, you know, he proceeded to call her something like a, a ugly, broke, bald-headed bitch or something crazy <laughs> like that, right? Like he, he, he went extra in. And, um, you know, that's never productive, right? No, and not. so, I mean, I think that, so, so he went in and then m- some black men, jumped on the train right like almost like okay snoop dogg gave us the green light uh, so yeah. they were like oh yeah yes yeah. like snoop said blah 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 and and other <laughs> people added their extra seasoning on something that already went too far yeah and so i think that's the reason why Coates may have and i didn't see what Coates said uh but that might be the reason why he said yo like if y'all are using this as an opportunity to yeah, you sure. know to go in the, that hard on a black woman like what like what is it on your heart that yeah. makes you want to say these types of things about about somebody. Um, yeah. yeah. 
I mean, I can look at it from several different ways. Um, I think it is very easy to look at it as like, oh, saying, you know, this is an opportunity to, to hate on black women. That is definitely one perspective. Also, yeah. I think another valid perspective is it's an opportunity to just be take the defense of a black man. Mm. That's one way of looking at it, too. You know, yeah. if someone is attacking you and you're defending yourself vehemently mm-hmm. to the point where you're attacking them, it could seem like you hate the other person. Could yeah. just be you're defending yourself. I don't know. Um, what I will say, though, is and mm. I don't know the question that she asked. Um, she asked. I I, go, I'll, go ahead. Go just ahead. I, and I'm 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 no expert on this. I've only seen this once. Um, yeah. But you know, essentially, she asked. Um, she basically brought up that that Kobe was accused of sexual assault. Yes. And she said, you know, you had a close relationship with him. Did you ever experience anything like that or see anything like that? Um, oh, okay. And then you know, Lisa Leslie kind of stated that she was a little uncomfortable with the question and that, you know, in her in her experience, she had never seen him behave that way at all. And in fact, you know, she's been in situations where she's been around a bunch of guys and they, you know, they're hollering at girls and they're doing X, Y, and Z. And Kobe, like, you know, essentially has done the opposite. But I think, yeah. I don't remember what the next question was, but, but Gail King probed more and i think it, it was something along the lines of just because you haven't seen him do that in public spaces do you are you saying that you believe that he See, would okay, you know or what? something like that you know you what know i mean what? you know what i actually i was actually going to give gail king a pass initially and this is not me knowing the details if uh-huh. Given what you're saying, though, I can actually see why it would be an inappropriate question to ask. And the reason is this is because, look, two things I want to say. First of Uh all, I will several things. I don't know if Kobe Bryant actually sexually assaulted this woman. We know that he cheated on his wife. He admitted that Um, we know that there was a settlement. That doesn't necessarily mean anything. Who knows? Maybe he maybe he did sexually assault her. Maybe he did not. I'm not here to litigate the truth. I know some people I, I know more people who know more about it and say that when they look at the court documents, it appears as though she was basically trying to extort him and the rape didn't happen. I don't know. But what I will say, though, is that nevertheless, this is something that there, there was a choice that Kobe Bryant made, which led to all of these things. And that was stepping outside of his marriage. Therefore, Regardless of what happens, even if let's say he didn't rape her, mm-hmm. nevertheless, he still needs to take responsibility for that. Meaning that if he were to be asked that question from now until the end of time, like that is his responsibility to face the music and answer that question and not dodge the question like Chris Brown or like R. Kelly. Right. Even if he's innocent. That okay. being said, though, I could totally understand why Lisa Leslie would be uncomfortable yeah. answering that question because if, if Kobe Bryant is a very close friend of hers right. and she has never seen this and then says, well, that's not his behavior. Right. That's basically signaling to all the other women that like, hey, I don't I don't believe this. Like that's that's a horrible position to put somebody else in. Like, I don't mm. think Gail King should have done that. If she yeah. if like if Kobe Bryant's alive and she wants to ask Kobe Bryant, ask him all day. That's yeah. his, his responsibility to answer. Right, right. But I his agree. friends, I agree. Yeah, I can kind of see why that would be like, you know what? Go fuck yourself. I can I can see that. I agree. I can see I, that. You know, I I but you know, again, you know, when we bring it back into the context of, you know, what Snoop did, right? There's still yeah. nothing that could have merited the things that he had to say. Sure. No, no, no um, I agree with you. You know, but but yeah, I, I I just feel like, you know, I think what people were trying to say was, you know, Gail King is is a, a respectable journalist and, and 
in, in a position of journalism, she wanted to ask a probing question. Well, but I mean, I is she Gail King or is she Wendy Williams? Like, which is it? Which do you want to be? I personally would not would not have asked such a question, especially at such a time so. um, no. of someone. But but you know, again, like like let's I wouldn't let's not go down the path yeah. of you know whether he was guilty or innocent or or any of those types of things because that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it was just it's a sad you know a sad story of you know us kind of pitting against each other being pit mm-hmm. against each other um in, in terms of as a community um i like you was never kobe's biggest fan in fact you know if you ask some of my best friends the 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 ken dogs of the world you know <laughs> they might say you know yinka was a kobe hater right yeah. um, i'm i'm obviously a huge michael jordan fan i'm a Me kid too. that's been Me a too. bulls fan my whole life moved to la uh, you know, was surrounded right, right when Jordan stopped winning championships, Shaq got traded to LA and Kobe yeah. and, and Shaq started winning championships. So, yeah. you know, as a, as the only person rooting for the Bulls when they sucked and the Lakers were amazing, you know, I've never been Kobe Bryant's biggest fan, but what yeah. I will say is I've always had a ton of respect for his work ethic. Of course, of course. Um, and, you know, I think everybody everybody can say that, right? Like you, you, you'd have to be a real hater to, to not be able to acknowledge that. Yeah. Um, and I think that that example compounded with the fact that, you know, Kobe did face the adversity of, of trying to come back from that particular case mm-hmm. and the fact that he was still able to have a viable and successful career after that happened, something yeah. that would, would have put most, if not every other black man, um, oh, done y- your career's over. There, there's no way to come back from that. I think some people really, you know, it's almost like when cop sh- uh, when Pac shot the cop in the ass, right? It's yeah, like, yeah. it's like you, you, you have a second life like how did like how did you come back from this? Yeah, and I think that that's something that a lot of black men really, it it, it was really inspirational, um, and a lot of people were inspired by. Look, I don't, you know, I'm not big on idolatry. Um, I talk about that actually somewhat often on this podcast. I right, just, right. I'm I'm not for that. Nevertheless, I mean, he was a person who a lot of people idolized, and I yeah. think one of the coolest things i saw was that you know the 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 night that he passed like the you know the night after the day he passed um i i went through every single one of my ig stories literally every single one Mm -hmm. i i may go on instagram and look at like five ig stories at a time maybe Mm -hmm. i went through every single just to see like what people were saying and Mm -hmm. pretty much most of them were sharing something about you know kobe bryant and his daughter and there were a few folks who are more on the like, hey, you know, everybody hates black women, toxic masculinity, all this. Other. A few of those folks too were even mm. sharing these memes and stuff, and I was just like, you know, that's that's cool to see. Um, mm. There were even some folks on uh, there was a, a black woman on Facebook, um, rather popular following. I'm not going to say her name, but she even like posted something on on Facebook saying, hey, black men, how you feeling today? And I was yeah. like, oh, that's that's cool. And it, it also yeah. kind of made me think of like, you know. One of the criticisms you also hear, uh, you know, when we talk about how divided we are, is it like, mm-hmm. oh, black men never stand for black women, but black women are supportive of black men. It kind of made me think about that. I don't know. But either yeah. way, like it was it was it was real sad. I know a lot of people were really heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah man. I mean, honestly, I, I saw I saw some of that and, and, and I, I saw some of it in the way that you're talking about where it was mm-hmm. it was um, encouraging. 
And yeah. I saw some things that were divisive that were like, yeah, well, this isn't true. But I think to some degree it is. Like, honestly, the Kobe situation is one where I personally, and I'm, you know, as a black man, I, I think I, I'm a little bit more receptive to it, obviously. But mm -hmm. I really feel like to some degree I saw black men collectively mourn this. And like in a yeah. way that you don't really get to see black men collectively emotionally vulnerable right or like really um you know expressive of those feelings very often and i felt like it was like a collective like you know you you talk to your your boy whoever and and you know it was like yo yo you hear about kobe yeah man like how you feeling like like <laughs> in a way that I, I i don't think i've ever really heard you know or more recently really heard and and i really you know i think that that's something there's something to be said for that no i mean i definitely reached out to a few people who i know were we're big Kobe Bryant fans. Yeah. And I, you know, I just reached out. I was like, you know, how you doing? Yeah. Um, everything okay. But um, yeah. So, I mean, do you have anything else to discuss about Kobe, uh, Kobe Bean Bryant? Nah, but yo, just, just a huge loss, um, you know, and just rest in peace. Uh, you know, I hope that there's something that we can take, you know, I always hope in these situations that there's something positive that we can take away from these things. I mean, you know, even just the legacy of, of Kobe working with his daughter and, and, you know, those 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 pictures and images and videos and stuff like that. I mean, they're they're just so it's emotional watching those things. But, you know, I hope that the legacy of Kobe can be something that's inspirational and, and you know, something that we can use positively going okay. forward. All right. So the next thing we're going to discuss is uh, Takashi Six Nine. Is that is that the fuck? Is that his name? Yeah, that's his name. So have you been keeping up? I think he got sentenced for some fuckery. I just yeah. I know that he's been like the meme of 2019. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You said you were talking about some podcast. Uh, yeah. Can so, you go into this a little bit more? So there's a podcast. I think it's called The Story of Takashi Sixty Nine, and it's uh, it's it's uh. It's Angie Martinez uh, okay. narrating it. And so I checked it out because of that. And I realized that I remember Respect when he, Angie. yeah, shout out to Angie. And, and I'm glad that she's back. You know, I don't know if you heard about the big car accident that she had, but she um, she was she was in the hospital for a while. So okay. glad to see her back and, and back at it. Right. But, uh, but yeah, man, like it, it, the Takashi thing is something that I've avoided intentionally <laughs> th throughout, you know, the, the, the main, you know, part of his, his, his run. And, um, you know, because I, you know, you and I are similar in this regard. Like, I don't like to be like, you know, manipulated. I would call it man media manipulation, you know, sure. like, like, like people running around going viral, doing dumb shit just to get attention. I don't like that at all. Yeah. And so like, I have a, a very, you know, knee jerk. I don't want that in my life type of reaction to things like what Takashi was about. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, but. It, 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 I heard certain conspiracy theories early on that basically Takashi was like a like a, a hip hop cop, like he was a um, a plant from you know either the the, the police force or the government, right? Hmm. Um, and okay. so the, the the that little kind of strain is what is what made his story interesting to me because he essentially brought down some of the biggest generals of a of a major crime organization. Um, you know, through just being some kid that's making rap songs, he doesn't even rap. Like, so I, you know, when I saw that Angie Martinez was doing this, this joint, you know, that gave me some, some, some credibility to it. And so I started listening to it and it, it's actually fascinating. 
Okay, um, now I kind of so, want to listen to this. So fascinating, and and you know, again, like it's kind of like did you did you watch Who Killed Malcolm X? That no, Netflix I need to. It's on the list. You should check it out. But um, you know, one of the dope things about it is with the Who Killed Malcolm X. Throughout my life, I've heard kind of different stories, right? Like I've heard the Nation of Islam killed him. I've heard you know the government killed him, right? Yeah. I, I've heard you know, and and I, I think the the beautiful thing about real life is that a lot of times you hear a lot of different theories and some amalgamation of them is the actual truth. Sure. And so I feel like with the Takashi story, it's similar in that like, was he a government plant? Not necessarily, but then in some ways, like the the police and the and the you know these government forces saw what he was doing and was like, "Yo, we could use this. Like, mm. like this is what's up." And um, and so the way the way he was used by all these different organizations, the gang to make themselves more more popular. Um, I mean, there's there's parts of his story where like you know. He 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 sees some gang members and you know he's getting ready to shoot a music video and he asks them if they're okay with like standing in the video and then then he starts claiming the gang then the gang gets mad because they're like well you're not really the gang in the gang so like you're not falling in line in the way that somebody who's actually in the gang would behave right. so you know you can't hang with us anymore so then he finds another gang that's willing to allow him to run around and throw throw their their rag up and, and throw up all the gang signs and all that. So then he starts running with them and now he's creating friction in the street where, you know, two gangs that are in opposition of each other, you know, he's running with one and he's running with the other. So now they got beef. Like all these crazy things that this young kid who works at I think he worked at the gap or something like that. You know, like like some kid that just like has like a regular ass job. Just you know, wakes up, dyes his hair crazy, and just just manipulates all of these actual organizations that people have lived for, died for, killed for. It's crazy to me, you know. So well, I don't know if you got you got any. any I, I don't have any thoughts that. other than I'm very curious now to listen to this podcast. I'm gonna have to yeah. go look for it. Um, he did get sentenced to two years, I believe. Um, okay. He was facing possible 47 years. And then I guess he just snitched on everything that was breathing. Yeah. That's what I kept hearing. Yeah. Like I would just because here's the thing: I don't give a fuck about Takashi Sixty Nine. Like mm -hmm. I, I can't even tell you one of his songs. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know the difference between Takashi Sixty Nine and Lil Pump. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If you put both mm -hmm. of the pictures on there, mm -hmm. I'll just say it's Post Malone. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like I, I, they all look the fucking same to me. Right. And uh, but I just kept hearing that like, oh yeah, Sixty Nine snitching on everybody. Sixty Nine mm -hmm. snitching on everybody. And I'm like. <laughs> First of all, like, where is this shit available that y'all are, like, seeking this information? Like, it's the fucking O.J. Simpson case. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's this yeah. little kid with rainbow hair. And does he have rainbow teeth, too? Is he one I of them? I think so. Probably. Like. I have mixed I, feelings about it because it's like, to one to one extent, I, I wish I wish he got life. Okay. I want him to go away forever. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. I, what, he, what he's done is disgusting to me. What, um, snitching? Bo all of it. Like okay, right, well, what, what he what did he do specifically that was disgusting to you? I'm just curious. Um, I, you I, had to get too long with yeah, it. Just a short I, I think it's I think it's disgusting that he you know he he emulated and and made a mockery of gang culture, right? So okay. he becomes this gang person. He starts running around, going to these different gang neighborhoods and and calling them out, provoking them for no reason. He's you know so now he starts tension between gangs. So now you know you you now have 
black and brown men in in all these random places that are are killing each other over some little kid that folds clothes for a living then you know he goes from that to you know now he's um he's 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 doing hits so something yeah. happened where he got embarrassed by some dudes who like beat him up took his chain or something like that and so then now he calls on the gang that you know he's made popular and tells them yo i want y'all to kill these people because they made me look bad so now you got dudes you know pulling up and 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 firing shots in times square in broad daylight to try to send a message like like he and he did the crazy things look, that like i feel that hurt I, to- I totally feel that <laughs> but let me tell you something like right. I, i'm not a gang i've never been in a gang right but I'd like to think if I were in a gang mm-hmm. and I saw that little motherfucker, I would just laugh him off. And yeah. if he tried to get me to do a hit on anybody, uh-huh. I might punch him in the face. Like, that's, that's how I feel. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I'm just saying. Now, it's crazy, though, because, you know, we've now gotten to a place where viral really matters. Right. Yeah. And so a general in a gang saw what he what he was doing and said hey we can use this we can up mm. our profile and make money and and this can be an inside to get us into the the music industry that so they even you know um what's the name of the of the, the, the thing he, he they they branded their gang as as a record label and he was mm. the premier artist so like they they tried to almost the way like you know a frat or something would have like a way to to make money or you know on behalf of the frat so that they can do more things they were like yeah. oh well we can we can make a record label that's our gang and then we can make money off this and then we can put out that's other hilarious. artists and then so you know it, it like it became a business to them but you know at the expense of everything that they supposedly believed in and i think that's what's mm. so interesting about about the story okay. um but yeah man i mean the takashi thing is like it's it's disgusting and it's interesting at the same time it's like a train wreck like you can't you can't turn away from it and you know the reason i thought or i believed that he was a a, a cop plant was because there's actually video and 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 audio i'm talking like 4k quality video of him getting kidnapped in a car the car was mic'd up with video on it of it mm. of him getting kidnapped and like dudes holding guns to him like yo you gonna do this blah blah blah, blah. and i'm like okay this guy's a troll right like everything <laughs> that he's done is a troll all the way up to this but the fact that he has this crime on video and he supposedly you know brought it to the feds like this makes no sense he must be a fed um, but, you know, the, the Angie Martinez joint does a, a really good job of laying out the chronology of, of how his whole his whole movement was built up and, you know, what it did. But I, I think it's disgusting that, you know, now all the people that were around him and touched him in any way, they're all in jail for the rest of their lives. And in two years, he goes away, you know, scot-free. Like, it's it, it just, it, it doesn't really sit right with my spirit, I'm going to be honest. Um, well, welcome to the criminal justice system. Yeah, I think one of the coolest things, though, or one of the coolest statements in the in the whole uh, doc uh, or or podcast, they interviewed a guy who was the original DJ, the first DJ that heard Takashi and became his tour DJ early on. Mm-hmm. And um, the dude was saying, you know, he said people keep saying that Takashi has a talent for for going viral. He said going viral is not a talent. 
He said, anybody can go viral. He said, right now, if you walk outside and you punch a grandma in the face and you put it on the internet, that's going to go viral. He said yeah. the difference between somebody who goes viral and is good at going viral and someone else is what are you willing to do? He said, Takashi's the first person I've ever met that had no line in terms of stuff that he was willing to do. Like he was literally willing to do anything to get attention. He said, if you want to go viral, just do something to get attention and you will get it. But just like, you know, what are you willing to do? And I was like, yo, that's real. That's uh, that's real. And I think that's a good place, good way to end that segment. <laughs> um, I, yeah. OK. All right. Well, um, on uh, f- February 19th of this year, uh, we lost Pop Smoke. Yeah. And I nice. will have to admit that I never heard of Pop Smoke until he passed away. Mm yeah but i remember you posting something about it and i want to say shams was giving some interviews about this as well yeah i mean you know i i I can't really speak on it the way you know she or folks that had more of an affinity for his his music and and stuff can um i think you know her as a as a journalist and a a new york-based journalist um you know had a little bit more skin in the game with pop smoke and just Mm -hmm. you know kind of the groundswell of, of what he was doing. You know, this is an artist who was essentially taking this UK grime, UK drill type of sound and, and you know, really kind of one of the folks that was was taking the flag of, of New York drill and, mm-hmm. and, and pushing it forward. Um, and so he he really had a few records that were really big. And it's it's sad, you know, because for me, I didn't get Pop Smoke for the first two to three records. <laughs> Like, okay. you know, he had two or three records that were kind of like localized hits. The first that I heard him on was Welcome to the Party. And I just didn't get it. Like, I was like, his voice is very interesting. I never heard anything like it. But like, what, like, what is it about this record that people like? Um, and it wasn't until like maybe his third or fourth big record where I was like, ah, I get it. Okay. And it's really sad because, you know, I, I hit Sham and I was like, yo, I get it now. Like, I, you know he's he's grown bobby schmurter mm, okay. and she was like yeah and i was like i was like yo i'm excited now because bobby's supposed to get out this coming year and you know i feel like he can he can kind of warm the seat for bobby so when bobby gets out the two of them kind of become the kings of this this movement this like street you know kind of grime drill sound um, that's coming out of New York. Like they could be the the guys that push that that sound forward. Um, and it's really sad to me, you know, that I, I feel like that the potential to to kind of bring those two together was not able to happen. Okay. Um, but you know, I, I think you know, um, Sham wrote. Uh, she did a big piece for him. I believe it was it was either in Complex or in one of these these big magazines. So she's interviewed him. She's familiar with his circle, et cetera. Um, her girl EVA also uh, has done some pieces on him, you know, in his life. So I think for for a lot of those folks, those New York based, you know, hip hop journalists, they have a little bit more of a relationship and an affinity to his music than than maybe some of us who are not localized to that area. Okay. Well, I mean, I like I said, I didn't even know who Pop Smoke was until I saw. I think you mm-hmm. brought to my attention when you posted something on your on your social media. You know, it's like damn, like. We lost Paul Smoke. I, was, I, I didn't even know who it was. Mm-hmm. So sadly, I can't, you know, can't add anything to the discussion other than, you know, yeah. rest in peace and sorry for the loss and anyone, you know, who's yeah. obviously following his career. 
Yeah, man. I mean, you know, there was a lot of, of you know, again, things going around about, you know, what happened. He was in L.A. You know, he had just started renting a property out there. Um, mm. And, I, you know, the details supposedly were he kind of threw a party at this house. Um, and, you know, some people suspect that between posts that he posted on social media and posts that, you know, some of the people surrounding him posted on social media, it was it was kind of easy to figure out where it was that he was living. And um, there was a home invasion and, you know, he was killed. So rest in peace, Pop Smoke. All right. Well, do we care about uh, Dwayne Wade and the, the comments that he made re- regarding his children? Do we do we care about that at all? I personally don't really care. Um, okay. I mean, I, I you we know. don't need to discuss it then because I don't give okay. a shit either. It's none of my yeah. fucking business. Exactly. Well, actually, you know what? Actually, you know what? Mm-hmm. I do have some thoughts on it. Okay. So first of all, I don't know entirely what he said because generally speaking, I, I don't care about things like this. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, his son is now um, a, is transitioning. Yeah. And he said that his daughter is the leader of the family. Did he say that? I don't know if I heard that. I just know that okay. is, you know. What I will say is that, um, okay, on one hand, if you are a member of that community or you're someone who sees themselves or whatever, or you identify with Dwayne Wade's child and you, you think it's good for a celebrity to, I guess, endorse this so mm-hmm. that you or your child or whoever can feel safe to be who you want to be whatever like yeah. on, on the one hand like okay i i get it i i guess that's a positive thing mm-hmm. um for personally i i don't really care one way or the other mm-hmm. um i know that if it were my son or daughter mm-hmm. um i would probably wait until they were a little bit more mature for them to, i would support them but i would mm-hmm. before they went through any transition i think i would want to make wait until they were more mature first there's some controversy surrounding that so quick my personal so opinion. quick one on that right like like i don't think they ever stated that they were going through with any type of surgery right so i don't, I don't know so so i mean if if that's not what they're stating I don't know why people are so like like why is little boozy talking about cutting dicks off and stuff like that so, like this isn't what they're saying here's what i will say though okay. here's what i will say <clears throat> is that on the one hand it's none of my fucking business mm-hmm. but on the other hand too d wade and his wife gabrielle union are making it my business i agree and there. i think that and i think that yeah. even though i don't have an opinion because i don't care Mm-hmm. If somebody has an opinion, either negative or positive, in support mm-hmm. or in counter, in opposition to, yeah, you know what? Have your opinions because mm-hmm. they're making it our fucking business. They don't yeah. have to. They could keep this a private family matter and they are choosing to tell us. So you know what? If anybody wants to have an opinion one way or the other, go ahead. I don't care. I don't care if it's toxic. I don't care yeah. if it's supportive. Have your opinion, express it, whatever, because they're making it our business. Yeah, that's, that's all I have to say. I've heard some other people say similar things. I've heard even some 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 ladies that I know say that they feel as though, you know, Gabby and 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 Dwayne Wade are trying to you know up their social profile <laughs> by you know by by you know kind of using their kids to like promote themselves and stay in the in the in the in the public conscious. I don't know if that's a fact. And I think as somebody who's not, you know, while I am in an, an underrepresented minority group, I'm not in the LGBTQIA right. community. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think th- them having having advocates and, and representation does matter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that's positive. But 
I do agree that I personally would handle certain things a lot differently than I see a lot of these celebrities. And I don't know why everything has to be shared with everybody. Um, so I, so I, I kind of feel like it, I don't mean to, to trump it, but I kind of see both sides in that. Like, like why, like why do we need to know every detail about how your 12 year old, you know, Look, is, is, is moving in, in, in the world. I have my thoughts and opinions on this and you know what, I'll go ahead and, exp and express them lightly. Mm -hmm. um, only in the sense that between the two of them, I get the sense that this is might be more. Okay, I remember when I think Gabrielle Union came out with her book, right? Mm -hmm. And in there, she she divulged a lot of like personal or what the most of us would deem as personal sexual secrets of her and her husband, mm -hmm. and like D Wade gave her the okay. And I remember I think yeah. it was like Jamil Hill was interviewing Gabby Union about this and mm -hmm. said like, well, you know, you don't need your husband's permission. This is like, well, bull fucking shit. It's way, way would have come out with a book talking right, about all right. the sexual exploits with Gabrielle Union. Wait I would like around. to think that he got her permission to do that. Like, Fresh. I just think that, yeah, if, you know, these two, the, the union, the, 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 the union of Wade and Union, if you will, <laughs> they have a history of kind of doing these things. Like, mm. I don't know about LeBron James's is, is, is personal true. life with his wife. That's true. I don't, I, I, don't, I don't know any of this shit. You know, the only reason why I know about, you know, anything having to do with Carmelo and Lala is because they put that shit out there. Like, mm. yeah. So mm. I can, I can kind of see it. Um, you know, yeah, that, I mean, that's, I, I that's, think... that's, that's as much as I'm going to express on that because if I say anything else, I might get dragged. <laughs> so I'm not going to say anything else. You, you can get dragged, you know, if it's worth it. But, but I, the one it's thing not, I, I will say is, you know, I've expressed a lot on this podcast that I feel as though, um, I I'm I don't always agree with everything that they do, but but yeah. I kinda like the way Will and Jada navigate this family space. Okay. And you know, and I feel like to some degree they have have kind of in their own way been crusaders for the the LGBTQ, you know, mm -hmm. uh community, even just in, you know, their children promoting kind of androgyny, um, you know, really wearing whatever you want to wear and et cetera. And, Which I have thoughts on. And, and I don't, well. I don't necessarily think that that Will and Jada, they don't come out and make it about them. Like I don't see them in interviews like, yeah, my son wore this. Yeah, my daughter wore that. They just let them do them and they stay out of their way. And I think I respect yeah, that. I, I hear what you're saying and I don't have a counter to that. Just real quick on the Will, mm -hmm. Jada, and particularly the um, Jaden, I just, to me, the reason why that bothers me is only because I think that Jaden only has a career because he wants one and because of his, his parents. And that's mm -hmm. fine. Mm -hmm. That is fine. The where I have an issue with the androgyny thing is it to me, and this is based off of things that I, you know, when Jaden is given interviews, when mm -hmm. I've seen him speak, when I see him post, mm -hmm. to me, it's more about getting attention than mm -hmm. it is about anything art or being truly expressive. It's like, well, how mm -hmm. can I get attention? Oh, well, let me wear this dress that will get attention. That's mm -hmm. just how it comes off to me. I may mm -hmm. be, I might be wrong, but if that is the case, if it, if it's something where it's like, look, we're just going to be on the edge just to get attention. Mm -hmm. I have issues with that. I just, I just, 
I think it's unhealthy. And if Will and Jada are promoting that, then whatever. I mean, look, my, it's their my, business. My counter to that would be, right, this generation is just about getting attention. Yeah. And literally, yeah. they live their whole life on, on the internet, right? And so Yo, but as with parents, a Jaden... Like, as parents, wait, wait, they... Wait, wait. With, with a Jaden, right, um, Jaden is talented enough as an individual that if he's doing some, some troll shit, um, you know... I don't think he has any talent. Jaden can act. He was in the pursuit of happiness when he was like two. Yeah, I mean, that's the yo. that's the only thing he did. Everything else he's he, done since then, he is not a good actor. He is he, not a good rapper. He's not he's, bad. He's not a bad at rapper. He's he's yeah, bad at rapping by today's standards because half of these rappers are shit. We would be laughing at half of these rappers if they came out in the nineties. Be like, yo, sit the fuck down. You're I, whack, and you know I that's feel, true. I feel like I'm a I'm I'm a fan of of the 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 Smiths ability to allow their children to do whatever the Fair. fuck they want to do. Fair. And I respect the fact that, you know, Jaden and Willow express themselves creatively however they want to. If that means wearing That's a funny. dress, fuck it, I'm gonna wear a dress. If I'm gonna come out here and talk about how I'm I'm reading astrophysical books or whatever it is they be talking about on, on social media, they do it. If they want to put out an album, they do it. If they want to do, do a painting and put it out there, do it. Because Honestly, I work in a in a job where I watch mediocre white men and mediocre <laughs> white women walk into the office every day and get paid for not doing shit. So why yeah. like why am well, I going to be mad? Welcome to corporate America. Right. So why am I going to be mad at mediocre black people, you know, putting out their art and, and getting paid for it? Like I'm not well, mad I mean, at hey, it. Hey, look. That's why we have <laughs> Spike Lee making she's got to have it. What was it? I think I think my favorite comment on that was when someone said, like, "Hey, look, I'm glad that we have a space for mediocre black art, just yeah. mediocre shit." Yeah, so like that, so you know, I'm not I, mad I, at I get it. I get it. I'm just saying <laughs> that, like, you know, I look. It's all speculation because I've never met them, but I would just be willing to imagine that if, particularly Jaden, that if Jaden were just born from a regular ho home couple, okay. that half of the, half of his antics, he wouldn't be doing that. He comes across as me, and again, yeah. this is based off of things that I've heard him say. Mm -hmm. Comes across to me as a person who wants to be a star, wants mm -hmm. to get attention, and I think his parents are enabling that mm -hmm. rather than actually educating him on how the real world, how you act in the real world. But yeah. look, that's just my speculation. Yeah, the I only reason I brought I brought him up is kind of the difference between the way the Smiths navigate that and the way it seems the Wades uh, navigate that, which is yeah. I don't see Will and Jada like making it their brand to be like, oh, mm -hmm. it's okay for our kids to to have this sexuality or have, you know, this dressing or whatever. They yeah. just let them do them and they yeah, they, they over here. Like they don't try mm -hmm. to make that their brand. And that, that was all I was saying. I got you. I got you. All right. Well, moving on, um, we have an artist who I'm not particularly, I know who he is, but I made a decision recently. And I think I told you about this, that, mm -hmm. you know, UK grime artists, <laughs> I just... Particularly on the male side, I actually don't mind the the the, the female vocalist, uh -huh. but the male vocalist to me, I just don't like the way they sound. So mm -hmm. Storm, so you brought this up. So Stormzy has a beef. Uh, yeah. Is there is there anything to, to discuss here? Anything worth discussing or no? Um, I mean, sure, we could talk about it real quick. Uh, I think it's kind of fizzled out, but uh, essentially, there's a there's a grime artist named Wiley. He's okay. kind of one of the pioneers, like one of the one of the cats that really was doing it when when grime really started to to popularize. And so, um, you know, Stormzy and Wiley have been going back and forth. Um, and but in a way that kind of almost reminds me of like, 
you know, when when Jada and Styles and Beanie Siegel were going back and forth, right? Like it's like, Yo, you know, he drops I, a record and he's oh, like, man. you have 24 hours to respond, and then the other Yo, dude drops you, a record. Let me tell you, just real quick, real quick. <laughs> yeah. We just have to give a shout out and just reminisce about like, to, you oh know, my god, the, the Jay Z Nas beef was yeah. bigger but if you were a hip-hop oh, head man. yo that jada and Beans, yo it was oh, like was okay because you knew that you knew they were going to respond yes and they came hard they had yeah. the bars oh, yo. Anyway. Yeah. and and the other wild thing about it is we talk about the jay and nas i'm gonna be completely honest with you i knew that that beef could not leak out into the streets Mm-hmm. I never thought that Jay was going to do harm to Nas or, or vice versa. Oh, I believe Jada Beans might do Beans. something. Beans might do <laughs> right. something. I was like, somebody might get hurt. <laughs> like, like if these cats bump into each other, it might be all bad. Um, and so the oh, bars man, were on that great. level. This shit was amazing. Um, but anyway, you know, we, we don't really have that anymore, mm-hmm. you know, and, and part of it is probably because, you know, that style of rapping is not as popularized yeah, anymore. Yeah, so, true. you know, I mean, and but but also everybody's really kind of happy and jolly. It's almost like AAU ball in, in, in music now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, so, you know, you got these two cats that are heavyweights. Stormzy is the, you know, in the new generation. Wiley's in the older generation. Um, I think, I think Wiley's kind of made it his, his brand more recently. And I, and I, and I think it bothers me a little bit. He's kind of made it his brand to just like kind of hate on people who are successful now. Mm. And so, you know, it's like he he doesn't have any records that are big. And this is just my perception. I also don't live in the UK. So UK right. folks, kill me in the comments if you want. But, you <laughs> know, we, like... Do we have UK listeners? We might. I, I mean, we... I hope so. We, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> if if not, UK people listen to us. Uh, yeah. And, you know what? I might have to start hating on Grimes so that they listen. <laughs> tell, tell me I'm a tosser or whatever whatever <laughs> y'all, y'all got for he's, me. I'm with he's, it. He's a tosser, isn't it? <laughs> but, yeah, it's like, like, Wiley, obviously, he's a pioneer. He's a legend. He's amazing. But now it's just like, you know... Every interview is like, so Wiley, what do you think of Drake? Oh, Drake sucks. He's terrible. Blah blah blah. Mm. Hey Wiley, what do you think of this artist? Oh, that artist is trash. They, you know, they're trying to steal from what I did back. At, you know, it's like, okay, like, is there anyone you like, or is there anything you like? So, mm-hmm. so Stormzy comes out with a song called Wiley Flow, mm-hmm. and basically he's paying homage to Wiley. Like he's saying, yo, like, you know, if y'all mess with me, I'm gonna hit y'all with the Wiley flow. And he's like, you know, he's incorporating like things from like Wiley-isms in the record. Mm. I mean, the shit was fire. So Wiley takes it as like, I don't know, maybe he just took it as an opportunity to continue to build his brand. So he starts doing these interviews where he's like, yeah, Stormzy mentioned my name or whatever. It's obvious he's influenced by me. You know, these young whippersnappers, they, <laughs> they, they're not doing it like we were doing it back in the day, X, Y, Z. So he starts doing these interviews where he's like saying negative things about Stormzy and stuff. Yeah, low, like, key, low key shade. Yo, you know, and then they, they interview Stormzy and Stormzy's like, nah, like I was trying to pay homage to the dude, you know. But and if you then, want to be a dickhead, right? And then <laughs> and then Wiley says, "Okay." So then Wiley comes comes with a diss, and they've gone back and forth. I think they did about four records back and forth. But it was just Ooh, that energy okay. of like cats going at each other. Uh, you know, Wiley says something about Stormzy's mom, which in Stormzy's in Stormzy's records he talks about his mom a lot, right? Like his mom is Ghanaian. Um, you know, they're from not the nicest ends <laughs> of of the UK. You know, so he, he talks about his mom a lot. His mom is, and him obviously have a very close relationship. And so, you know, I think he really, Wiley really hit a chord when he said something about his mom. And then so Stormzy comes back and he has this whole sub story kind of on some like, 
you know, Jay-Z takeover, you know, uh, type stuff where he's he's talking about how, you know, uh, Wiley moved his mom to Cyprus because, you know, he was afraid that cats in the hood were going to come at her, you know, type of deal. So there's some real personal barbs in there and stuff like that. But I really like the energy. Like, I like that, okay. you know, two cats really going at each other. And they're both heavyweights. They're both really nice at what they do. So, you know, if y'all get a chance, definitely check out the the, the beef between Stormzy and Wiley, the, the back and forth, because I really enjoyed it. Okay, okay. And uh, I wonder if it has any comparisons to the Bounty Hunter Beanie Man beef from the 90s. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think that was, was that was a lot more personal. And when you have beefs that include love, they get, they get, it get really real. I think that, you know, the, 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 the fact that they shared a, a young lady, I think, is what is what really made that beef crazy. Okay. All right. So the last thing we're going to get into before we review some albums is the uh, the Megan the Stallion contract situation. Now, this is something that I am only familiar with the headlines because, dude, you posted like ten articles about this. You you posted her side. You posted their side. Break it down for the people who are unfamiliar like me, because you know I don't know these details. Yeah, I'm gonna try to just keep it on the top because I have my own feelings about it. Um, But you know, I want I want to hear your feelings on it. (laughs) So in general, you know, Megan Thee Stallion comes on IG Live and she basically breaks down that you know she feels like she's getting extorted, and that you know the people that she signed her original record deal with her with have put a block and not allowed her to put out new music. Mm. So she can't she can't put out new music. She's been getting jerked and or she felt as though she was getting jerked and so she reached out to the original label and asked them to renegotiate the contract. Um, and they said no. And as a result of her wanting to renegotiate the contract, they told her she can't put out any new music. Now, okay. I personally think that that's a lie. Um, okay. And you know, so I, I didn't know how it was gonna shake out, but over time, um, Carl Crawford, who owns her original contract, came out and did an interview and gave his side of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she came back and said that he was not telling the truth. And then he basically put her contract out there. Mm-hmm. And so uh, DJ Booth, um, Z, shout out to uh, DJ Z, he he basically did a, like a line by line, like like point by point explanation of what the um, what was in the contract. And, you know, what he thought her chances were uh, of of winning her lawsuit, because she's essentially Mm -hmm. brought a lawsuit against the original holders of her contract. Thoughts on that? (laughs) Oh, I no, I I was waiting for more. Um, I mean, I could give my opinion on it, but I I wanted to see what your thoughts were just based on what you knew about the, uh, the case. Well, so I don't know that much about the case. What I do know in general is that artists. Um, have been signing shitty contracts for a while now. Facts. Um, the I the knowledge of artists signing shitty contracts has been well like the knowledge of this has been mm. popular for a while. Uh, mm. There are plenty of artists who, because they know this, they sign mm. good or they get like independent deals or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like and they own all their masters like right from the get go. Like this is not a. This is not a an unknown thing. Like even mm-hmm. even the beef between Nicki Minaj and Remy Martin, right? Like mm-hmm. half of the bars in there had to do with Nicki Minaj's contract. This right. is before Megan Thee Stallion, I'm assuming, signed her contract. Right. So if she's at all like paying from you know paying attention to what's going on, yeah. you should know a shitty contract when you see one. That doesn't right. necessarily make it a good thing. Right. Nevertheless, though, like, it, I mean, I don't I don't know. <laughs> it, it 
I would like to see more details, but okay. I mean, here, look. At the same uh-huh. time, too, if you sign a if you sign a shitty contract, there's also ways to get out of one. Yeah. And one of the ways to get out of one is by becoming popular, making mm-hmm. a big stink of it, and then getting everybody on your side. I'm clapping getting, for you right now. And getting because you get it. And getting getting the courts and getting money to basically back you. I mean, like right. I want to say, like TLC's contract. Right. They got out of that. Um, mm-hmm. They basically, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. uh, left eye gets out there at the at the Grammys after right. having won like every single award possible, and, was and like, people we were broke. like, "Yo, why are you guys complaining that you're broke?" It's like, "Yeah, well, yeah, basically that we're broke," right. and so they get attention, and then mm-hmm. they get money behind them. Yep. Bully uh, uh, L.A. Reid, whatever, out of that contract, yep. whatever, and then they, they get the new one, and they get yep. like fifty million dollars bonus, whatever. Boom. Like it happens. Um, it's not the first time it happens. So if that's yeah. what Megan Thee Stallion is doing, then big up to your college education for you know. Yeah. That, I think that's exactly what what it is. I think you you, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, the name of the game is leverage. Yeah. Um, and this is an individual that does have a very big fan base, mm-hmm. even even more so than what her numbers would reflect. I think. Right. A lot of people love Megan Thee Stallion, whether they they're going out and buying or streaming her music or not. They just love her. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. And so you know, leverage leveraging that influence as a quote unquote social media influencer to put pressure on individuals who you do not have the legal standing to actually defeat because you're not necessarily in the right. Right. Uh, but you convict them in the court of public opinion. Yeah. And, and you know, in order for them to be able to continue to do business, they now have to acquiesce to you because th- they look bad in the court mm-hmm. of public opinion. Um, yeah. I think that's what what this is. And so, I you know, I said that from the beginning and, and it's funny because then, then I listened to... Um, the Joe Budden podcast, and he literally was echoing everything that I was saying. I okay. had maybe a 200 comment argument. Shout out to the homies in the locker room and uh, <laughs> in my group chat, you know, about about this. Because cats were like, yo, you know, you're supposed to be on the side of the artist. You're supposed to be on the side of the creative. And I, I'm like, I am. But at the end of the day, first of all, what she's saying is fishy. And second of all, I don't think her, her deal is that bad. So mm-hmm. what I think, so I have two things that I think, and one of them is a conspiracy theory, so it is what it is. I'll put that mm-hmm. in a second. Um, I think Megan has partnered with Rock Nation for management now. Okay. So That's now- a, a smart move, probably. A very smart move. Yeah. Um, so now, you know, she's going from a, a, the little leagues to the big leagues, right? Now you're partnered with Jay-Z. Now you're partnered with the biggest names in the industry and they're pushing yeah. it. So, you know- I equated it in in this group chat to um, Russell Wilson, um, you know, playing playing on a rookie contract as Russell Wilson, right? Yeah. You are performing as one of the top three quarterbacks in the league, but your contract doesn't reflect that you're one of the top three in the league because you just came in the league. Right. So so now when you get to a point at the end of that rookie contract, you now have the leverage to renegotiate, mm-hmm. but you have to fulfill. The, the, the obligations of that rookie contract in order yeah. to to proceed. So I think what happened was, you know, nobody knew who the fuck Megan Thee Stallion was. Let's right. be honest. If you want to have a meteoric rise and become a pop star, you know, you you have to you, you have to give some things up in order yeah. to get that that look. And that's mm-hmm. what she did. So, you know, she signed a, a 360 deal that looked like a very standard 360 deal. That's yeah. the deals that everybody's signing right now. Um, if she yeah. wanted to, if she wanted to keep everything, which she could have, she could have kept everything and, and, and made it to Rock Nation. 
you got to do what you know nipsey hustle was making records from 08 from 07 08 Mm -hmm. and and it took him 20 years to get to a point where we even had a conversation about it yep so i mean if she wanted to do that she could do that yeah get on your grind keep putting your shit out and hope that eventually you get the attention of rock nation she did not do Mm -hmm. that she wanted to skip steps so she signed a 360 deal like everybody else does and then she got to the point where she got this rock nation attention very quickly she still hasn't even put out a studio album yet so mm-hmm. you know now you got you got rock nation you got jay-z in your ear like yo you're the number one you know you're you're the number one or number two female artist in the world in in, in terms of rap music um what's good you know do you want to you you should be you should be doing a 50 50 split because at this point in, in her career if she was to sign a, a contract today and she was free and clear i think any record label would would enter into a 50 50 split deal with her because that's the deal that you give a superstar mm-hmm. but when you come in you, you got to get to the point to, to become a superstar to have that yeah. deal uh, a, a, a ti is a perfect example of somebody who came in on a rookie contract you know he he, he had that deal with i think it was arista or, or whoever okay um he puts out i'm serious the greatest thing that happened to ti is he flopped and yeah. they dropped him yeah. So so by the time by the time he went to put out trap music, he had built up his own buzz and had no strings attached. So yeah. when he went to them, he said, "Look, like you're going to give me a 50/50 split. Like I I can negotiate whatever terms I want cuz I'm I'm already big on my own merit." Yeah. She did not do that. She skipped those steps. She she's she's on that rookie contract. She has to to you know, make the terms of that or she's gonna have to do a buyout. Now, I think what's gonna happen is Rock Nation's gonna buy her out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think she's trying to create leverage so that they can get a more favorable deal by convicting them in the in the court of, of public opinion. And I think they did a great job in terms of, of holding the line, right? I, I, yeah, you talk about uh, Crawford. Yeah, Crawford. I, well, yeah. first what he did, which I think a lot of people don't realize is he called, he called Jay Prince, right? Because okay. They're from they're from Houston. Megan Thee Stallion yeah. is an artist coming out of Houston. Jay Prince is Jay Prince. <laughs> yeah. So I think what he tried to do was he kind of tried to squash it behind the scenes by calling in you know the Minister Farrakhan of of, of <laughs> Black Houston rap, <laughs> and and you know trying to get it, it done behind the scenes. But then Megan you know again flipped it and she she was like okay I don't I don't want him to to come with the muscle. So I'm gonna call that out too. So in her lawsuit she actually calls out that she's being intimidated by Jay Prince. So, you know, now now you're not you're not solving it civilly in the background. You're making it a public a public thing. So what Carl Crawford did, then did is they basically put her contract on on the internet. Right. So now individuals who know something about contracts are like, yo, this is a pretty standard contract, standard right. language. This is this is the contract anybody who nobody knows is going to get. This is yeah. better than that contract because you're actually you get to keep a percentage of your publishing. You get to keep this, you get to keep that. Like this is actually a better than favorable deal for a new artist. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, basically the the last thing that I posted was DJ Booth doing a line-by-line analysis of her contract. And at the end, you know, Z, who looks at a lot of contracts, basically said, I think she will lose in court. Yeah, I could see that, too. Yeah. And I mean, he's he's a fan of Megan. They've helped her. You know, they've put her music out. But at the end of the day, like she doesn't have a leg to stand on legally. What they're going to end up doing is. Um, oh, so I'll give you my conspiracy theory. 
my conspiracy theory is so she signed to kind of like this joint deal where it's Craig Crawford and 300 are are, are splitting her record deal. Carl Crawford, right? Or Carl Crawford. I'm sorry. Yeah. I keep calling him Craig. Um, and then um, Rock Nation is doing the management. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think Lior has been, Lior, Lior runs 300. Mm-hmm. And Lior has been known to do some kind of shady things in the way of pitting people against each other in order mm-hmm. to come out with a favorable outcome for him. Okay. And I think that actually Lior is the person who got in her ear and was like, hey, you know, like, if we, if we box carl crawford out of this equation you know a lot more of the money is going to come back to you like why like why are we giving this person the money because if you look at it rock nation is doing all your management you know and they're and they're they're directly they're directly linked to live nation who who's who's doing all the live shows right right and then we're 300 we're the we're one of the biggest record labels you know what i'm saying we have this presence what do you need from carl crawford you actually don't need anything from him he's just a, a silent party who's sitting back and collecting a percentage of the, of the proceeds yeah so let's let's get him out the paint and she's like okay so so i think he's the one who told her to go to the you know the 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 internet and and tell everybody about how carl crawford is is this terrible guy um if she loses in court, though, what mm-hmm. do you think that does for her public image, public perception? Nothing, because I don't, because because okay. I honestly, I don't think that her her fan base cares enough about a verdict, right? Okay. Like like I don't even think they're gonna follow this that far. Okay. I think they're just like let Megan put out music. That's fine. <laughs> it's like the free the locks campaign, right? Like we didn't care about the, the deal. We just we just want to know that that you know he's getting whatever he's gonna get. So you know, I kind of respect Carl Crawford for for holding the line. Yeah. And 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 really telling people because I think a lot of people don't understand how the music industry works and how no, contracts work and etc. A, a lot of people so, don't understand how anything in this country works. Facts. Right. They understand how to wake up in the morning and eat breakfast <laughs> and. Some of them know how to tie their shoes and take a shower. Like, yeah. that's the extent of it. But, but it's a good explanation to folks so that people do understand more about the music industry. And, you know, I've said to my friends in this long, you know, back and forth that we had on the net that I think where she made her mistake was, I don't think, I mean, there's no way you could know that you're going to become what Megan Thee Stallion is now, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, she's one of the top artists in the world, just in, yeah. in any any genre, right? Um, you have to build performance-based clauses in your contract just in case you become a fucking superstar, right? Yeah. So, like, if they had written the contract in a way that would would help her in this moment, she would have had certain outs that would have said, okay, you know, if I put out a project and that shit goes diamond, then you have to renegotiate the contract. If I put out, you know, a single and, you know, it sits on Billboard as number one for five weeks in a row... I get to renegotiate my contract. Like, put some yeah. things in there that make it so that you know, if you do become a superstar and you qualify for a superstar's contract, you're able to, you know, come back to the table. Because right now, if I'm Carl Crawford, why would I come back to the table? That doesn't no. make any sense. You know, I'm curious. Do anybody have contracts like that? Because it seems like a very reasonable thing to do. Yeah, I think it, it really depends on your your lawyer. And I think gotcha. the, the folks that are coming in with good lawyers are building in little clauses, you know, in order to to be able to benefit from their stardom. Okay. All right. Well, I think that's a very good recap, especially for me, because I only knew about this, you know, based, based on the headlines. But um, that's going to wrap it up for our, our moments recap. 
And so now we're going to get into two albums. Uh, Yinka has an album that he reviewed. I have an album that I'm going to review. Do you want to start or should I? Uh, You start. I've been talking too much. All right. So... (laughs) The album that I decided to review is Black Habits. The I guess this is a debut from D Smoke. Yeah, I, I mean uh, technically, I, technically, because he got a mixtape out, out a few before. Right, right. So I guess in terms of like actual albums, of the, who we know who D Smoke is, right. this is his debut. This is released February seventh. And for those who don't know, D Smoke was the winner of Netflix uh, Rhythm and Flow, the show with um, you know hosted by Chance. T.I. and Cardi B. (laughs) And um, yeah, and so I think that a lot of people were very excited about that show. You and I in particular, we reviewed that on our previous recap. Right. And uh, obviously we're, you know, looking forward to this artist. And so um, came out in Black History Month, which is which is really cool. And yeah, I I didn't listen to this as extensively as I did to Nicole Buss's Kairos album. But I did give this a good five or six spins. Mm -hmm. And I think it was a very, very solid effort. Did you get a chance to listen to this? I did. And I agree. Yeah. So I think that one of the things I like about this, and this is what we were talking about, D-Smoke, is that we knew like right from the get-go, D-Smoke understands music. And that is very evident on this album. Hell yeah. I haven't been able to find too many credits. Like, it, yeah. it doesn't have a wiki page, and I didn't feel like going through to see like the making of the album. So right. I don't know all that information. Usually between the two of us, Yinka has way more knowledge on that stuff than I do, unless it's like a <laughs> Wu-Tang project. But uh, so I didn't get a chance to really nerd out on this. But um, I just, I do think that the musicality on this album is kind of like what I was expecting. And I would say that because I was expecting it and I got it, Sometimes that make like that disappoints me, but I mm-hmm. think that you know the biggest thing here is that it kind of vindicates you know the the decision that the judges made yeah. to give this artist a chance because you know sometimes you know these little competitions like this it could go the wrong way mm-hmm. and it did not go the wrong wrong way in this case uh, mm-hmm. definitely went the right way um, so yeah I, I I really enjoyed this project and obviously yeah. I'll express more thoughts later but I want to get some of your thoughts on it. Yeah, man. I think you know, um, like D Smoke is is an artist that we don't deserve. <laughs> I, I think I think that's what I'll say. You know. Yeah. Okay. Right. In that, like, like this album is really good. Yeah. And it is. And, it, and it has a lot of medicine in it, right? Like it, yeah. like it, it has a lot of messages that we need to hear. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, I feel as though personally. This album is going to fall on deaf ears. I, can I see don't that. think that the people that need to listen to this album are going to listen to it. Yeah, and that's I, what I bothers that, me. I think that one of the things that this album suffers from, um, and again, I, I like this album a lot, is that there's no like real hits on it. Right. There's hits in the sense that like, oh yeah, like if I'm in my car and I'm listening to something. Boom! That could be a smash. Yeah, that like, Snoop Dogg that, record. That Snoop Dogg record bangs. Yo, there's yo, there's a whole, there's a few bangers on here. Yeah, the, uh, for sure. The, the one that came comes before that, the No Commas joint. Yeah, that um, was a Bullies, bullies is a smash. Like, uh-huh. even you know the the joint he has with Jill Scott. Like, uh-huh. that's you know the way that you know they they take that sample or they they take the the lyric on there. They interpolate that into mm-hmm. this record um is really good yeah. the song black habits is a is a good song like there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of good material on here man that song nothing... fallen is amazing yo falling fallen is definitely dope amazing. like i love that take on like that that perspective of yeah. falling in love is something that i don't think we necessarily hear about often yeah, yeah. and the way that he delivers the whole song is like is perfect that's insane um there's a lot of really good songs on here yeah but there's nothing that like 
when you're at the boozy brunch, as I like to say, that you're at the like the the, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the after work the after work happy hour yeah. pre turn up. Like there's nothing that you're really gonna That's... bang in that aspect. So I'm not yeah. sure how much play it's gonna get. People are still bopping out that. <laughs> oh my god that song is so ridiculous oh, but um there's nothing like that on here and uh-huh. i think that that's okay for a debut mm-hmm. because i would like to think that in the future oh the other thing that this album doesn't have is it as good as a lot of the music is i don't think he has any things that, that really like you know moves the needle forward um but mm-hmm. i think you see signs up here of someone who like really really understands music i think in yes. a lot of ways this is this is a safe project but i'd like to think that in the future maybe he'll push the boundaries a little bit kind of mm. like how kendrick has done um, and i'll get back yeah. to kendrick in a second but like well actually i'll talk about that now like even yeah. on damn right uh-huh. kendrick has records that go in the club mm-hmm. and so i'd like to think in the future d smoke mm-hmm. can kind of l- deliver that as well yeah i agree yeah um there are a few records on here where he does kind of sound like kendrick um which one was it yeah. i think it was um oh oh black habits actually black mm-hmm. habits sounds like a song that kendrick would have written yeah so. the thing about him though uh that I, I i really actually love about him and it's funny because mm-hmm. I, I didn't i didn't plan on coming on here and talking so favorably about this album but but i'll, really? I'll, I'll okay. go ahead I, I i think that smoke is so talented that and and he does understand music so well that yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past him to be able to give us something like what you're talking about in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Like I like I don't think even though he is lyrical and he does wanna, you know, wanna get certain messages across, um, I, I don't put it past him to be able to do something to where, you know, he's such a reflective guy. Yeah, he is. And 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 it's so obvious that he's a teacher when you listen to his yeah. music. And he's, and he's, he's so well centered too. Yeah. That I, I, yeah. I could see him and 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 you're gonna kill me for this, but it is what it is. <laughs> I could see him really developing into a a, a three thousand type of cat. Like a like a hey, Andre look, type cat. We need more three thousand. Yeah, hell yeah. So and I think he has the talent and, and he has the introspection, you yeah. know, that like you said, when he you know, and, and, and I don't fault him, right? He This is his mm-hmm. debut. Yeah. And, and unfortunately for us rapidy rappers, we want you to know we can rap when we first come out. Yeah. And yeah. you have to get past that where everybody knows you can rap to where you start doing this really creative stuff that the I, I agree. I agree do, with you, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I respect it. I, you know, I think that's what he was doing. Yeah, the only other thing I'll say about it is that, uh, you know, he does his D-Smoke thing with the, with the Espanol, which <laughs> yeah. sometimes... Sometimes it's cool. Like sometimes he really mixes it in well. Like because he'll actually go back and forth between rhyming in Spanish and mm-hmm. rhyming in English. And it's like oh, okay, like that's kind of dope because it, it works musically. Mm-hmm. Other times it's kind of like, all right, it's, it's a little bit of a gimmick, a yeah. little bit, I yeah. think. Um, but you know, we'll allow it because again, it's a debut, and there's gonna be people like, hey, when I saw my rhythm and flow, when I saw him on Netflix, right, right. he was rapping in Spanish. I want to see more of that. Mm-hmm. But I hope in the future. You know, he just kind of does his own thing. And I'm excited for that because I, mm-hmm. I do think that while I did enjoy this album and it is good, mm-hmm. some of it is a little safe. Yeah. Some of it is a little predictable. There was nothing here that I was like, whoa. Other than maybe um, like Closer to God was kind of mm-hmm. might have been like the closest I had to like a whoa moment. Mm-hmm. Aspects of that song kind of sounded like Anderson Pac was behind it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think he was. I'm just saying like I kind of had some of that vibe to it. Got you. That's the only one, and maybe Fallen as well. Maybe mm-hmm. Fallen, from, more from crazy. like a 
maybe from like a more like a lyrical narrative perspective. Yeah. But um, even like my daddy, like like some yeah. of these concepts are just really, really just like good and important concepts that he he did them in his own way. And again, yeah. you know, you talked about this when we talked about rhythm and flow. He's just somebody who's just so comfortable in his skin. Yeah. And he's able to tell you who he is, you know, in a way that is. It's not self-aggrandizing and it's mm -hmm. not self-deprecating. It's just, right. yo, this is just who I am. Boom. Right. No, you know? correct. So, uh, but you have uh, you have an album to review as well, which I have to admit I did not get a chance to listen to it. Unfortunately. Yeah. I know. Um, I know. I'm unprepared for this episode. My, my apologies to all the listeners. Don't trip. So, uh, Smoke Dizza put out an album, um, no, right? "Closed Mouth Don't Get Fed." Um, okay. And and you know this kind of lends itself to why I always mention Griselda on this podcast mm -hmm. um I don't think that this is Smoke Dizza's best album right uh but I I do think that Smoke Dizza has such an incredible body of work and has just been giving us such so much great music so consistently over such a mm -hmm. long period of time that I feel like you know he should get more he should get more praise and more attention on his music and you know, I feel like I want to use my platform to highlight individuals like Smoke Dizza. Um, so is he more? Is he like in the Griselda camp, or is he more like not oh, no. not the actual camp? I'm talking about style stylistically, or is he more like a rapidy rapper? Yeah, he's like a. So you know, when I really got onto him, it was around the time Wiz Khalifa was doing his thing, Nipsey mm -hmm. was doing his thing, Kendrick was doing his thing. So that the the what I call the blog era. So this is what, like, um, two early two thousand tens. Early two, exactly, early two thousand. Okay. So, um, I mean, I think he he really started, you know, bubbling in like maybe oh eight. Okay. But um, I didn't become a real fan until his project he put out in twenty twelve. Okay. Um, and he was also somebody who um, so he 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 talks about smoking a lot in his music, right? Obviously, okay. his name is Smoke Dizza. He, I think he kind of was one of those individuals who you know. Might have slanged weed to keep his 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 music career going and vice versa. So you hear a lot about that theme. Um, and in, in the early days of Wiz and Currency, Smoke Dizzle did did a lot of those tours, those like Smoke Fest type tours and things like that that they that they put together because he has a lot of those themes in his music. Right. But um, he's just somebody who's talented enough to do a lot of different things. And I think to some degree he might be a rapper's rapper, and that might okay. be part of why he's not so popular. Uh, because he's somebody who just, as somebody who raps, I listen to some of the things he does and I'm like, wow. Okay. Um, and additionally, he's somebody who always kind of put people on in a way that, you know, even when, when hip hop wasn't as democratized as it is and it wasn't as, you know, I call it like AAU, like everybody's <laughs> palling around, everybody's friends. Like it wasn't like that. He yeah. was somebody who reached out and embraced people. And so... Um, he was one of the first people that I heard Nipsey on and vice versa. So him and Nipsey did a song together in like 08. So wait, where's Smoke Dizza from? He's from Harlem. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, he's, he's from Harlem. Um, he's he's intertwined in that Dame Dash, um, you know, uh, family tree. And so you'll mm. hear, you know, you'll hear him on, on Dame things here and there. When Dame went on The Breakfast Club, I believe he brought Smoke Dizza out. Oh, that was um, the guy who was sitting next to him? No, I think oh, I remember, I remember. There were two was, different um, ones. I'm thinking of, is it Murder Mook was on there with him? Or? Oh, yeah, Mook was probably on there with him too. Yeah. So, you know, he, he shows, Dame shows a lot of Harlem love. Um, yeah. So on one oh. of the, one of the, uh, the Breakfast Club interviews he did, he brought out Smoke Dizza. But Smoke, man, he's just been doing his thing for a long time. Um, and this project, I feel like he kind of, 
stepped out of his like, yo, I'm gonna I'm kill y'all with, with these bars and, and stay in my lane um, uh, thing. And he has he has a record with uh, T-Pain on it. And Ooh. that joint goes. I mean, like, okay. like, I feel like if Smoke Dizzle was somebody who people knew, that record could like get played, but it probably won't. Okay. Um, mm. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I just want to highlight Smoke Dizzle. Well, you say it's not one of his better projects. Um, mm-hmm. First of all, what would be the best Smoke Dizzle project to listen to uh, if you just wanted to get to know him? That's a good question. And let me pull up his discography because I, I will probably have an, an, a, a good answer for that in terms of a starting point. There's one album, actually, when it was the early, the early Kendrick run, when Kendrick was doing crazy features. There's a crazy Kendrick feature on on the project. Word. Okay. Um, all right. So uh, my favorite project by him, probably individually, where I think there's something for everybody in this era, was the Hustlers catalog. No, when was and, this released? Um, it was released in 2011, and okay. you know, obviously the acronym, right? THC. Uh, so mm. you know, a lot of his music has this, you know, these weed references and stuff like is that. Is that what that is? <laughs> wow. But <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> well, yeah, but the Hustlers catalog is is probably the record I would say. You know, if you need a starting point for him, um, I will okay. go with. I also really like some of the stuff he does with his crew. He, they call each other, they call themselves RFC, and um, he has a they have a project in 2014 called The Outsiders, and Dame mm-hmm. does the intro on it. And I just love hearing Dame talk shit because Dame's just so good at talking shit. <laughs> he is good at talking shit. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but uh, but shout out to, to Smoke Dizza. So I, well, I really appreciate that project. And real quick before we wrap that up, what were some of the highlights of this album just in terms of some songs? I mean, because, you know, you say it's not his best, but I'm sure that it's still a decent project, right? Yeah, oh, the, the, the joint is fire. Um, the, so the record with T-Pain on it is called Dark Web. Oh, yeah, you mentioned that. Okay. Um, and I, I think that would be the one I would start with. Um, and then he, he has a record with uh, Dave East, who, you know, obviously okay. he's been. And it's funny because because uh, the joint is called 96 Knicks. And on it, um, Dave East mentions that the beat reminds him of Wu-Tang. And it's just funny because Dave East plays Method Which Man plays on Method the Wu-Tang yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of funny. Okay. Uh, okay. So that's a good one. And then um, there's a record called Frankie Carbone. I really okay. like. And then lastly, there's a record that has Wale and Phil Ade. I always like to highlight the DMV, you know, when the DMV gets gets love. Uh, the record's called Fiscal Thoughts. Okay. Wow. Well, um, do, you, do you have any other thoughts on the, to, to talk about, to discuss with the Smoke Dizzle album? Nah, not necessarily with the album, but I think folks, you know, if you like, if you like hip hop, you like rap, rap, like rappers that rap. Um, mm-hmm. His production is always solid. He's okay. always got dope beats, and and he um, and he's always has really dope features. Like mm-hmm. there's artists that I that I fell in love with that I the first time I heard them was with Smoke Dizza, you know. So mm-hmm. so shout out to Smoke Dizza for, for always you know coming with with the with the positivity with the and with the good music. Okay, well I think that should uh, that should do it for our winter recap. Uh, the only one other thing I want to say, and this has nothing to do with hip hop. But uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Sam the Man Burns, are you? Do you know who this person is? Nah, but I, I've seen that name. I keep seeing that name on the internet. Who is so, that? So Sam the Man Burns uh, was a, I would call him a world-renowned house DJ, um, more like the Deep House, Soulful House. Okay. And um, big name, a huge icon in D.C., resident here. Okay. Uh, he had a residency at 18th Street Lounge every Sunday night. Uh, okay. um, I've been there several times. I've seen him at other shows. I don't think I ever met him personally. Okay. Um, sadly, he passed away either oh, either yesterday or the day before. Um, 
Yeah, so I just want to give, you know, a rest in peace to Sam yeah, the Man. Yeah. Obviously, he wasn't a direct influence on me, but mm-hmm. I got into DJing in like 2012-ish, doing mm-hmm. a lot of South African stuff mm-hmm. and a South African house. And he's one of the person who, if he wasn't my mentor, he was my mentor's mentor, if that gotcha. makes sense. Like everybody gotcha. has respect for, for Sam the Man. Mm-hmm. Um, real big loss in the house community, real big loss in the DC music community. Wow. Um, just shocking. I mean, the man was what? Too too young to just be, you know, to go out however yeah. he went out. So anyway, just a rest in peace to the Santa Man. And um, yeah, that's that's all I have. Yeah, rest in peace, man. Alright, y'all. Peace. I'll beat a nigga peace. ass like his older brother. Uh, like you stole something. You would know it all, wanna know something. If you ever disrespect, we gotta throw something. Uh, polish and debonair, forever fears my demeanor. But match turn to flame when you pour gasolina. All that disrespect got me a little hot like Valentina. Guarantee I handle my shit, unanimous victory. Looking at our history, it's a sick story. And they push a line and tell us not to be violent. A crime is to deny people and keep them silent. I've been living on the margins, eating leftovers out of containers. Where they used to be margarine. Marvin was more of an idol than Martin and Roy Jones. Wanted Malcolm before Tarver, why bother? The plight of our life's been a fight over centuries. The history books never mention me. Not in a light where we got dignity, but I'll make you respect me eventually. So fuck y'all, bullies. We act like we ain't but us all, bullies. Never settling for subpar, bullies. Don't make a nigga knock the rust off, bullies. Saying fuck y'all, bullies. We act like we ain't but us all, bullies. Never settling for subpar, bullies. Don't make a nigga knock the rust off. Mark your ass, nigga. Come on. He ain't even working. No, no, fuck.